Good morning. Good to see everyone. Hopefully you're in the Christmas spirit, Christmas season. Um, we're going to start a new series today for three weeks, three, three weeks leading up to Christmas. And it's titled Fear Not. And it's based on three different characters in the Christmas story that had encounters with angels. And part of the angel's message was always fear not. Uh, today we're going to talk about Mary, and our topic is fear of what God is asking me to do. Talk about Joseph and then the shepherds the following week. Sometimes I think uh, we approach God kind of like those annoying people in our lives that when they call us, we debate whether to let it go to voicemail or not because we know they're going to be asking us to do something or for something. Or if you see them in the grocery store, you try and go the other way, hoping they don't. I don't see you. Um, I'm not the only person who does that, right? <laughs> okay. Um, so we want to get just close enough to God to get the good stuff. You know, we, we want to, you know, have heaven when we die, you know, fire insurance, and, and we want to have a pretty nice life, comfortable life, but we don't want to be too close. We don't want to be too close to God because we, we get this fear that God's going to ask us to do something we don't want to do. Maybe, as the doctor in the video, wind up being a, going to Africa, right? That's part of might be part of our fear. Uh, asking us to do, you know, stay single all our lives, and we want to be married, or to be childless, and we want to have children, or what it might be. <clears throat> now, we sometimes say that fear and faith are kind of opposites, but I, I'm going to try and build an argument for something different this morning, and that's this. Fear is actually placing our faith in the worst case scenario. Or you might say in the what ifs. So, uh, I have faith in that, you know, uh, what if I get cancer? Or what if I lose my job? Or what if my kids go crazy? Or in my case now, I guess grandkids. My kids already went crazy. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, you know, how am I going to survive in, in retirement? Am I going to have enough money? Am I going to lose my house? Uh, are my friends going to get sick? Am I going to lose my friends? There's all kinds of what ifs, aren't there? And that's what fear is placing our faith in, the what ifs. Of course, the way, worst case what ifs, not the good what ifs. <clears throat> and this become, can become debilitating. It can become overwhelming. It can almost get to the place of, of panic. And I, I got a confession to make this morning uh, that's, Difficult. <laughs> uh, I thought I had this fear thing pretty much conquered, but I discovered it really wasn't I hadn't conquered. I just had a cell phone. I could always get in touch with people. So I had this experience a couple of weeks ago. It was on a Tuesday. My phone died. Later I found out it was the battery died. So I, I couldn't call. My wife is gone all day Tuesday or most of Tuesday. She's at Good News Club. And then she was going to go to AT&T store and well, get her a new phone, and I was going to get her old phone, all right? So I calculate this stuff in my head. So she leaves school here maybe at 4.30, gets there about 5. Now, what I didn't know is how long it takes. I never go to the AT&T store. I didn't know how long it took. So I figured out maybe an hour in there and another half hour, maybe an hour to get home. So, you know, it's like 7 o'clock, and I always build in an hour or so with my wife because she always takes, I say she's always late. She's not always late. She always just takes longer to do something than I expect her to do it, which means longer than I would take to do it. <laughs> All right, so I calculated in my head, got to be home by 8 o'clock, right? 
I get her plenty of time. So 8 o'clock comes, she's not home, and can't call her. So I'm thinking, ah, you know, it's okay, it's okay. Gets to be about 8.30, and I'm saying, wait a minute, maybe something happened. What if? You know, what if something happened? What if there's a car? Actually, Jared was with her too. Uh, what if there's a car accident? So that's starting to creep in. Uh, <clears throat> uh, so I think, well, maybe she emailed me. You know, I have a computer. And she didn't email me. Then it gets to be 9 o'clock. And then I actually, I, I have to confess that I started to panic. And the what if started to feel real. You know, something bad's happened. You know, that's, that's where my mind went. I thought, well, maybe there's some way of texting her on the computer. It probably is. I just didn't know how to do it. It was after 9.30 when she got home. Of course, everything was fine. She was fine. But what had really taken care of my fear was cell phones. It wasn't my, my trust or faith in God. So I wanted to start with something that Paul, who started a bunch of churches, we talk about him a lot, um, said to a, a young pastor, like, being me, like me talking to Pastor Clint. And here's what he says in his second letter. He said, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. That's not of God. It's from something else, somewhere else. God doesn't give us a spirit of fear or timidity. Now, fear can be worry, anxiety, all those other words we use. But what does he give us? Power. Power not to be afraid, among other things. Love and self-discipline. And we're going to find out love is kind of the antidote to fear. Now, I'm sure all of us at times feel intimidated. That's another word, right? Intimidated. Maybe by culture, maybe by someone at work, a relative, friend, or whatever it might be, some situation. Should we ever feel intimidated if you're a Jesus follower? If you're not, we're, we're delighted that you're here. We think there's some stuff you can learn to help you, even if you're not a Jesus follower. But if you're a Jesus follower, should you ever be intimidated? No, we don't fear or timidity. It, it, it's power and love and self-discipline. Now, multiple people recommended a song to me, and I don't sing, and you don't want me to sing, but I can put the lyrics up here, and uh, it's called Fear is a Liar. How many of you know this song? Evidently, it's pretty popular now, right? This is the chorus. Fear he is a liar. He will take your breath. You ever had fear, anxiety, worry, take your breath away? Sure you have. Stop you in your steps? kind of paralyzed you. Fear he is a liar. He will rob you of rest. We all have had sleepless nights because of anxiety and fear. Steal your happiness. Certainly does that. You're really not happy when you're afraid. Cast your fear in the fire because fear is a liar. And then the, I think it's called the bridge. Is this what it's called? Music people? <laughs> is this. Let your fire fall and cast out all my fears. Your refers to who? It's capitalized. God's fire, right? Let God's fire fall and cast out all our fears. Let your fire fall and your love is all I feel. So either you can feel fear or you can feel God's love. And kids, you understand as parents with your kids, when they know you love you, that you love them, they don't, they're not afraid. They go around playing. They're not afraid there's going to be food on the table or clean clothes or, or, or whatever, roof over their head. They, they don't have any fears. They know you love them. You're going to take care of them. Well, <laughs> if we as children can, can have that with our parents. How much more should we be able to have it with the God of the universe? So let your fire fall. So your love is all I fear, feel, not fear. So let's get to our topic this morning. Why is it that we often are afraid of God's plans? 
Why is it? Shouldn't be, but we are. I'll give me a couple of reasons this morning. One is this. God's <clears throat> interruptions often are often inconvenient, aren't they? And we're going to see this in the story of Mary. Uh, anything that interrupts us seems inconvenient. <clears throat> so we're going to look at the account that Luke wrote. And I like Luke because Luke was an investigator. He interviewed people. And some scholars believe he actually got these words straight from Mary's ma- mouth and wrote it down. So here we begin in chapter 1, verse 26. The sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Elizabeth was a relative. Uh, we used to say she was her cousin, but experts now are saying she's probably an aunt because of the age difference, right? So but anyway, she's a relative. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee. Now, <clears throat> don't have time to talk about angel. People have weird ideas about angel. They're not people with wings. We're not going to be angels. Uh, I think a lot of people got this impression there's kind of like a little fat baby with wings type deal. Um, that's not angels. Angels are, are messengers of God and often are warriors. And so we can see them as powerful. But they are messengers, so what they say is God speaking. And they come on God's behalf. And it wasn't certainly to, to make Mary afraid, but uh, often people were afraid when they met angels. Uh, to a virgin named Mary. Now Mary, we don't know the age, but if she was a virgin, unmarried at this point, she was probably 14 or 15 because in that culture, in that time, when she reached pu- puberty, you were engaged. And that's exactly what happened to Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Engagement was like marriage. The only way you could get out of it was by, by divorce. <clears throat> and so this was serious. And just like uh, women today, when they get engaged, they're on f- what? Uh, Pinterest probably trying to find out what kind of wedding they want to have and all that stuff Uh, probably already planning the names of their kids you know what do you ladies do when you get engaged you know uh, pictures of the house you're going to have and so she's in that stage of life right where she's making plans to to spend her life with uh, with Joseph Um, Gabriel appeared to her and said greetings Favor woman, the Lord is with you. <clears throat> now, she was a poor woman in that society, had no power, no authority, no, no influence. <clears throat> it was a small town. So she was young, engaged, poor probably in a small town. God comes to her and says, I want to favor you. And just like many of us, Whatever our situations, we would think, why, why is God favoring me? Why is God calling me? How, how could God possibly use me? I'm an insignificant, almost a nobody. But also because God had favored her, does that mean her life was going to be easy and it was going to be great success? And most of us know the story. Just the opposite was true. But she was favored by God. And she responded just like you and I would. All right? confused and disturbed, right? Couldn't understand what was going on, and it was upsetting. She tried to think what the angel could mean. She's trying to figure this out. And what we see as interruptions on your outline, God sees as invitations. This was invitation, right? Mary, I would like you to be uh, the mother of my son. 
Well, that wasn't part of her plan, was it? You know, a little house with picket fence and, you know, two and a half children with Joseph. Uh, normal life. <clears throat> I always, I've never got a hand raised when I ask this question. We'll see what happens today. How many of you, your life has turned out just as you planned? <laughs> nope, still nobody. <laughs> It doesn't happen, does it? It just doesn't turn out like we plan. Now, some of it might be better than we plan, uh, but it's certainly going to be different than we plan. And when it's God's invitation, it's going to be different, but it's going to be, dare I say, better. It's certainly going to be higher. We see it all through, through, the, through the Bible. Moses, 40 years in the desert, God says, hey, Moses. You, know, you, can stay be, you can stay and be a shepherd in the, in the desert if you want, but you could come and lead a whole nation of Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. Higher, better calling. David, <laughs> he had like six older brothers, and the prophet comes to David's dad's house, Jesse's house, and says, hey, one of your sons is going to be king, and he starts with the oldest, and, and he gets down, and finally get to, to the seventh one, and, and the prophet says, yeah, that, that, that's the guy supposed to be king. Now, uh, we assume that Jesse couldn't believe this. Uh, this. The first son, maybe, most likely. The second son, maybe. The seventh son, no, 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 no. He's not, he's not king material. But his life, he turned out to be the king, right? His life turned out to be higher and better. New Testament, Peter, fisherman. Jesus said, come follow me. Or you can keep fishing for fish, or you can fish for people. And eventually, Peter became the leader of the church, and we've got some things he wrote in our Bible. Paul, he was killing Christians. He, he was trying to stamp out Christianity. God got a hold of him and said, hey, instead of killing him, I want you to help make more Christians. Uh, start churches. And Paul's interruption, his invitation was to something greater and something higher. And a lot of the New Testament is written by this guy named Paul. So the angels responding back to Mary, Upset, disturbed, confused. And he says, don't be afraid. Fear not. It's kind of an old King James translation. But this one says, don't be afraid. You don't need nothing to be afraid of. Be calm. Relax. For you have found favor again with God. Now, I don't know about you, but wouldn't you prefer favor over not being favored? <laughs> uh, in, in life, in any situation, certainly by God. <clears throat> Some translations use the word surprise. I've got a surprise for you, a pleasant surprise. Most people like surprises. I've got a surprise for you. I, I, I'm favoring you. Something spe- you're going to be somebody special. Something special is going to happen to you. But God's purposes also are often different than our plans. So this is one reason we are afraid of those plans. God's purpose, next slide, is often different than our plans. So, in Mary's case, it's going to be different. What is the purpose? What is the plan? What is God's plan for this young lady, this teenage girl? Uh, Luke tells us. He says, you will, quoting what the angel said, you will conceive and give birth to a son. So, before sonograms, and it was going to be a boy, right? Birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. Jesus is the word Joshua in the Old Testament means the Lord saves. So this Jesus, your son, is going to be the Savior. We also could say the Messiah, the, the, the one everybody's been waiting for. 
and goes on and gives a little more description. He will be very great, understatement, right? And be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor, David. He had to be born an ancestor of David because that was a prophecy in the Old Testament, a promise. He will reign over Israel forever. Nobody reigns forever. Well, in heaven, God, Jesus will reign forever. His kingdom will never end. So Mary asked the question, logical question you and I would ask, how can this happen? And specifically, how can this happen? I have a child when I am a virgin. I have not been with a man. This is impossible, right? This doesn't happen. I'm sure she had mixed feelings. Wow, to be favored by God, to be chosen by God, to be the mother of God's son. Can you imagine the honor that went with that? But then maybe, well, well, how am I going to tell this to Joseph? How am I going to explain this one to Joseph? That's a big one. Talk about that a little bit next week. But there was a higher calling. This was a bigger calling than, than, than her plan. What about you? What has God called you to that is different? Uh, maybe you were called, and I know some parents of special needs child, children. And God has called you to be a parent of a special needs child. And I've never met one of these parents that would want to swap that child for another child. Would they want that child to be healthy? Absolutely. But they'd never swap. God honored them with something higher, something greater. The parent of a special need, needs child. Or maybe you lost your job, or maybe you've been in a job that doesn't have a meaning, meaning for you, and, and God is calling you to something else. And some of us, this is in our past experience, and now, now you had that job that you couldn't imagine you could have had when you lost the last job, or you were in a dead-end job. Maybe you're not married, and you want to be married, and maybe God doesn't want you to be married. Maybe you had this relationship in the past that, that broke up and you thought that was the perfect person. I, yeah, God, I really would have been happy married to that person. But God's got somebody else. Or maybe that, that, that next person's already come and you see how much better, higher, greater this new relationship is. But how can this happen? So God's going to, on your outline, God's going to ask you and I to trust him. Trust him with some plan other than your plan was something different than what you envisioned. Try to think of an illustration. This is kind of silly, but hopefully it'll help. Uh, maybe your life is good like it is. You know, I've been doing construction type stuff, especially hardwood flooring since I was young. When I was a kid, you had to nail, actually drive nails in the boards. And when I was pretty young, we came up with nailing machines. You just had to hit it once and the nail went in, it didn't split. It was really great to go a lot faster, a lot easier. But then, in recent time, they made these pneumatic. They're driven by a compressor, and all you have to do is tap the thing, and the nail goes in. As great as that nailing machine was 40 years ago, the machines now are even better. So no matter how good your life is, God's got something better, a better plan for you. You may not be able to imagine it, but it's true. And it may seem absurd, I'm sure to Mary, this seemed absurd, right? <laughs> Had to. It may seem, seem absurd. And so maybe God's asking you to uh, forgive somebody that's really hurt you. And you say, I can't do that. Can't do that. They hurt me too much. They don't deserve to be forgiven. 
Or maybe somebody's sick. We're talking about international missions now, and uh, we as a church, we're helping support uh, 3,000 some missionaries. And uh, our offering last year at this time was 70, over $7,200. So that means we, you and I have to put in more than 10 or 20 bucks, right, to get to that amount. You see how many people are here. It takes uh, sacrificial giving. It takes, you know, God's moving in your life to say, I, I have to be generous so people that never heard about Jesus get to hear about Jesus. That's mind-boggling to me. So much of the world hasn't been able to hear Jesus. Now, half that money last year came from one person. And I don't know if one person will give half of it this year. But I'm asking you to pray seriously. Buy less gifts for your kids. They don't need all these gifts anyway. They won't be remembered. Missionary talked about just last, and he was interviewed. Somebody had just asked God for forgiveness and entered into God's family. You can't put a price tag on that, folks. God's going to ask you to trust him. Trust him with your finances. So she asked the angel a question. The, the, the angel answered. This is a messenger from God, so it's God's answer. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby born to you will be holy and be called the Son of God. The Spirit of God will move in our life. The Holy Spirit can move in your life and my life. Now holy was important for him because he had to be the sacrifice for our sin. So he had to be born, couldn't be born of a, 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 a human male or he would have had been born into sin and then he would have been unable to be our sacrifice for our sin. But consequently, he was able to live a perfect life, die an unjust death, and his sacrifice pay for your sin and mine. So consequently, this isn't a job for people. This is a God-sized job, right? Mary couldn't pull this on, off on her own. There's no way. <clears throat> And the story goes on, talks about Elizabeth. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she's conceived a son, and now in her sixth month. That was impossible, right? That was a God-sized thing. She was past the time when you could bear children, yet she's bearing a child. And then this statement, this very powerful statement that most of us are often, we don't truly believe. For nothing is impossible with God. We say no way, God says yes way, right? Whatever it is. It's strange to me and I, I'm this, that people are this way, but I'm the same way. I believe God created the universe. He sent this happen. This, this virgin had a child. That Jesus died and was rose from the dead, but then I can't believe that some little thing can happen. Somebody can be healed. Some relationship can be fixed. <laughs> Nothing is impossible with God. So I'm like, what is God asking us to do or to believe? What is God asking you to do or to believe? Some area of ministry maybe? Next slide. Maybe God's asking you to get involved in a ministry. We always need people working in children's ministry or maybe start a new ministry. Really the question is, what's next for you? Maybe you're not a Jesus follower. Maybe you've been coming to this church for a while or been exposed to the gospel for a while. And today's the day you need to step across that line. Maybe you've been a Jesus follower for a while and you're just kind of half in. Maybe today's the day you need to be all in. Now let me give you kind of a 
I'll say warning, <laughs> uh, clarification. God's plan is harder but more rewarding. Isn't that true in life? Stuff that's harder is more rewarding. It's true in the Christian life too and being a Jesus follower. Mary's life was certainly a lot harder, wasn't it? Can you imagine seeing your son crucified? Misunderstood. Denied. And it brings two things. It brings significance and it brings satisfaction. When you're doing God wants you to bring huge significance. And it also brings satisfaction. So something important to remember, and we're almost finished. The outcome is God's responsibility. Obedience is ours. We don't know what the outcome's going to be. All I know is I've got to do what I do, God wants me to do. And think about refuge. <laughs> a year ago, refuge wasn't even on. Refuge is our, our team ministry in downtown Smithsburg. Pastor Clint heads up. <clears throat> a year ago, when nobody in, this, in our church, we weren't even thinking about this. We, it wasn't on our radar. Last year's, this year's budget, there's no money for that. <clears throat> Clint comes along and trying to be obedient to God, we say, hey, we, we need to start this ministry. <clears throat> now I want to bring you up to date. I hope you don't mind me sharing. So we're renting a building for two hours a night, a week, downtown Smithsburg. And the money's been coming in, because it's not in the budget, but the money's been coming in, and been carrying on this ministry, and, and Pastor Clinton would love to tell you about it. But we just found out now, <laughs> we get the building 24-7, and it's not costing us as a church any more money. It's in coordination with another church, uh, another ministry, um, Young Life. Um, so we can have ministry there, like I say, 24-7. That sounds like a God-sized thing to me. The rent was supposed to be $1,500 a month. We're paying, what, 600 now between the two, two ministries. God-sized. Outcomes God's responsibility. Our responsibility is obedience. Maybe it's with your finances. We believe the first 10% of what you make belongs to God. We all have all kinds of issues. I, I can't afford it. Well, the outcome is God's responsibility. Your responsibility is obedience. We say everybody should be in a small group. Well, I don't have time to be in a small group. Well, outcomes, God's responsibility. Obedience is yours. We have a lady that leads up a foster care program. Maybe God's speaking to you to, to, to be a foster parent. You say, oh, no, I don't, I don't have time. <laughs> Outcome is God's responsibility. I couldn't do that. Outcome is God's responsibility. Obedience is yours and mine. That's exactly what we see in Mary. Mary responds, I am the Lord's servant. Next slide. I am the Lord's servant. Do with me what you want, God. Now, how can she say that? And I believe it's this, because she would say, I know my God. I know my God. My God's a loving God. My God's a caring God. My God's a gracious God. My God's a forgiving God. My God's a merciful God. So whatever he wants, I should want, because I know my God. And she said, let it all come true. It's when you and I fear or have anxiety or worry, we don't really know God. Because our God, if we knew that kind of God, there would be no need for fear or worry. So again, what is God asking you and I to do or believe? Believe. 
Are you all in? If you're not all in, you're not serving God, as Mary said. Who are you serving? You're serving yourself. (laughs) Right? What you want as opposed to what God wants. But what God wants is bigger, it's better, it's higher. Why wouldn't we choose that? Came across a statement that's really impacted me. I want to share it with you. Fear doesn't deserve your obedience. Only God does. So I leave with these two words. Pray and obey. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you so much for the fact that you're a God that wants to interrupt our lives. But you want to interrupt our lives with something bigger and better. Something to bring us more significance and satisfaction. I want to pray for this group here this morning. I, we're all in different places. I'm sure there's some people that have not stepped across that line yet. And I don't know what the fear is. There's got to be a fear to keep stepping across that line, accepting God's love gift of salvation and a personal relationship. God, I would pray that they would, your spirit would help them conquer that fear and surrender. For many of us who are Jesus followers, what is that next step? And it's a faith step. It's got to be a faith step. We need God you to be, be involved. And that's why there's a little anxiety. There's a little confusion. There's a little difficulty. So God, I just pray this morning that we will truly seek with the attitude of Mary that God, I, I'm your servant. What you, what you want is what I want. God, I thank you for these folks. Continue to work here among us as, as the band plays. And... and uh, God, just meet us in this place. Let us know what your plan is. In Jesus' name, amen.